Hello, my name's Elton and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, the community where we discuss everything that is Fulham. Come and join me and my sons, Jack and Sam, as we discuss, debate and arm wrestle everything about our wonderful football club. We're now also streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook and Twitch. We really hope you'll enjoy the next episode. So without any further delay, over to you, Jack. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under, here today after the very disappointing Saturday in Hull, where we lost 3-0 to Brentford and the news finally broke of Alexander Mitrovic's transfer to Al-Halal in the Saudi League. Here to discuss a, a pretty dark day for Fulham fans, we have the usuals. Sammy, how are we going? Yeah, it's 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 been a weekend. It's been it's been a day. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna press too much in the uh, intro. There's there's a lot to discuss, and I want to discuss it. Okay, and Dad, how are we? <laughs> I'm very well, and I'm glad we uh, we took a bit of a breather. I mean, it, it just turned out that way, but I think uh, it it's fortuitous that we've had a bit of time to think, breathe. To mold. Chew, cogitate, and here we are. And I'm looking Cogitate. That's a great one. I like cogitate. Yeah. I'm going to use that. <laughs> well, look, I think on the last podcast, we sort of signed off by saying we'd, the, the picture would probably be a lot clearer around the time we next pod. And it really is. We've uh, obviously had the news come through. Uh, I think pretty much as the game kicked off, the transfer officially got announced. And Marco Silva in his post match conference said that. Um, he'd been told just before the game started, which, you know, might have had a bit of an effect on the playing group because I'm sure the group got told as a whole that um, it was definitely a done deal, although I'd say they probably knew as well before that anyway. The writing's been on the wall for a little while now. Um, and look, like like you both said, there's a lot to discuss here. Uh, we obviously have a game to talk through first and then just the whole saga, now that it's finished, finally, we can actually recap and both look back and look forward on everything that's happened. So let's jump straight into what was a really disappointing outing. You know, we, we all three of us went into this game expecting big things, hoping for a win, first home game of the season, and it just fell to pieces. Um, pretty much from that 44th minute onwards, it, it was all pretty disappointing. Sammy, give us your, your recap on the on the game itself. Yeah, just bleak. Just a bit disappointing. Like it, it, it was very. It felt like a bit of a dark cloud. I, if it felt, I don't really feel. It just felt like we were just foggy, and um, I, I don't really know what's going on with Tim Ream at the moment. I know he's not fresh, but it's, uh, he, he, he seems to be really struggling at the moment, and I don't really like watching it. And um, obviously, uh. Everyone's very much in favor of Bassey um, go- going in, and I, I think that's right. But was, it, it wasn't really fun. I was watching it when I was out, um, and it, uh, it is, yeah. It's it's been it's just been a crap weekend, really. 
<laughs> like it's just it's just been crap like the whole way through. But yeah, what do you say, Dad? Um, you know, it's it, and I'll talk a bit more to this afterwards. But do you, what were your general thoughts on the game and and our performance as a whole? Well, you remember, I I was anxious and nervous about this. I just didn't feel we we were that well placed to be taking on Brentford at this point. Who were by by no means a an average side, and <clears throat> who knows? I think I think there's potentially a lot to um, the idea or the concept or the yeah the idea that that we probably were quite unsettled. It's I mean it's big news. Uh, Mitro finally being confirmed as leaving the club. That dropping in, into the room just beforehand, you cannot imagine that that doesn't play on mind somewhat. You know, the whole idea of being prepared and focused is to not give your attention to outside thoughts and be really focused on the game. And I think that would have been pretty difficult for them to do. Um, I... I I, I do not want to um, focus hard on uh, Tim Ream's penalty that he gave away and yeah. and the the following uh, send off because uh, I, I I'm sure we'll talk about it but that that was very very harsh um, I I wasn't even aware that he had a first yellow card how did I miss that um, mm. and I I I think the the the, the the ground really began to break apart when Issa Diop had that little fade at the end, of, which, which just looked like a, a lack of concentration mm. more than truly a missed kick. It was just sort of like mind wasn't quite on it. And um, so I've heard some people saying that Tim Ream should have done better there to block that, but that's asking a lot. So, you know, there's just a series of pretty awful things. The one bright thing is I thought Sasa Lukic had a pretty good first half. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, he he, he looked, um, yeah, he, he just looked good. Uh, the, the, my slight worry with him is that when it really, when he really comes under pressure, he does tend to be a little bit negative rather than being, you know, overly positive. Um, but look, third goal, I'm not even going to talk about. We're 10 men and uh, hardly surprising. It's just an awful day. Just an awful day at the office. Yeah. Look, I think it's, it's an interesting one because you can really look at it from two perspectives here. There were three flashpoints or, or two flashpoints in the game. The error from Diop and look Tim Ream couldn't have done any more there I no. think Leno was smart not to overcommit because that had a red card for a goalkeeper all over it which is even more devastating sure. um, uh, I think uh, it looked to me like a mishit pass he didn't lift his head up tried to swing it first time out to Ream and Leno which he does all the time and, and completely mishit it it's not the first time we've seen it from Diop he does have those mistakes in him, even though I think he's a step up from from Tosin personally. Um, but look, that was one error which led to a goal. Um, the the penalty was another error, although I think it wasn't actually a Tim Ream error; it was a referee error. Um, 
and a red card changes the game on the spot. I, I don't think we looked overly good going forward often during the game. Yeah. Uh, but I think cool. up until that Diop era, a draw was probably a fair result. Uh, after that, it was only ever going to go one way. I think especially once that penalty was scored and the red card was handed out, it was game over completely. Um, and, you know, as you said, the third goal is just a complete write-off because it's 10 men, second minute of injury time. Um, nothing to lose at that point for Fulham. So you're pushing people forward and trying to score goals. It's it's not surprising that you get carved open so easily. And I don't think you can really be too harsh on the defence for conceding that third goal because we're, only, we're down to 10 men there. It's just what happens when you go down to 10 men, unless you manage you may, You may remember during the game I... I texted you and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite confused because I, I'm not that impressed by this Brentford side, uh, certainly in the first half. Um, we don't look great, but they don't actually scare me. And I, I felt that they weren't as threatening as I expected them to be, even though we were, we were ordinary going forward. And that's another, another topic of conversation around, you know, our strike force, but they, they didn't, they didn't really, Impress me. Yeah, look, I thought Flecken in goal looked average, very, very average. I, th- I think there was a mistake coming from him throughout the whole game, and I was very surprised and kind of disappointed that we didn't actually test him through the game because he looked mm. dodgy with his feet. There was that ball that got blocked by Raul, I think, fairly early in the game. Um, and I just thought to myself, oh, this is a day where you just need to pepper the goal. And we didn't. We, we just didn't put shots on goal. Um, you know, we didn't really have, uh, we didn't have Willian on from the start, which I think made a, a big difference having Deckard over Reed there. We just lost a bit of creativity. Um, I, I thought Jensen for Brentford played well. I thought Wisser and Mbwemo were both good as well. But apart from that, they didn't look overly dangerous. You're right. I think we actually handled them fairly well. And like I said, it was down to a couple of flashpoints and a couple of errors. And I think we could have snuck away with points from that game if it wasn't for a couple of silly mistakes. But unfortunately, when you're playing the Premier League, silly mistakes get punished. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, that, was, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a minor error. That was a gaping, gaping, awful mishit, which just plated up the, the, the ball, you know. Um, can we talk about, can we talk about um, Jimenez? In more detail here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll go first, I guess. For me, it was plainly obvious that he is not good enough to be a starting striker. I know, yeah. uh, as you know, a few people have said it's a work in progress and um, we're trying to get him back. As Silver does really well, we're trying to get him back to what he was previously, but he's 31, 32. Um Look, he's, he's got a little bit of speed about him, but he, he doesn't have the strength required. Um, he's not good enough in the air, and I put that down in part to the injury that he's had. Um, mm. uh, you know, just the, this, he just didn't look confident in front of goal either. That opportunity where he was through on goal could have just lashed at it with his left foot and goes for a Rabona cross well, when he's <laughs> 10 yards out. I actually, I'm actually a bit concerned that he doesn't have much of a left foot. Uh, he that looked too. pretty. One, he, he looked pretty one-footed to me. I mean, not not Tom Kearney one-footed, but he he, he wasn't confident even to have a mm. lash on his left foot. And um, yeah, I, I, I thought 
in general. And I and I I don't wish to be over overly negative because I, I really want this to be better than it is, than it's showing at the moment. But his quality at the very end was didn't look great. Yeah, there are a couple of very heavy touches I remember as well. There was one where the ball got played into the box to him and he stuck a leg out and the ball shot 20 metres up into the air, miles away from him. And I just thought to myself, this is this is just never going to work. It was mm. like having AK-47 back up front again for us and thinking to yourself, how are we going to get goals with this as our main striker? Yeah. I feel kind. Of, I do feel for him in a sense because I do think that he did used to have something, and um, I, I, I'm, I'm not writing off that he can't get it back. But at this stage, I don't really know what it's got to take for him to actually kind of um, recapture some of the magic. But uh, he, he, he seems a long way off. He's, I mean, he's going points, but yeah. Sorry, go, Jack. There's, there's no doubt that he was a good striker. You know, he had, I think they looked at the stats when we signed him and his career stats in the Premier League were very similar to Mitrovic's in terms of goal scoring compared to appearances and assists as well. Uh, It's not like he hasn't scored before and he can't do it anymore, but he is getting a bit older. He's had a major injury. I just don't think he's the same player he was. um, And you can't compare apples for apples here. Um, Mm. And look, I, I totally feel sorry for him. He's he's a great striker in his day, but I think, unfortunately, his day might be past. And I'm happy to have him as a backup striker, but I'm starting to see why Wolves let him go for five mil because I don't think he's good enough to command a higher transfer fee or to command the wages he was on at Wolves. Yeah, uh, remember, I we, we love a bargain at Fulham. We, we love, love a bargain. bargain. It, it is a bargain as well, but... Um, you know, Leno is worth two million times ten. Raul is worth five million times one. Um, and and this is not an original thought, but it is e- echoing what I've seen out there. Spare a thought for Vinny, um, with Munez actually being subbed on in front of him. When yeah, what's Jimenez, that about? Him, Jimenez is making making a heavy going of it. You know. It's, it's, like, it's kind well, of rough. There's there's a lot of chatter that this is one of those instances where Silva makes a decision to try and send a message to upper management. He brought on Adama Traore and put him at right back. Um, he brought on Muniz up front. And, and effectively is saying, you know, this is the kind of player that I will have to deal with and have to start if we don't sign more players. Well, mm. we're putting... Um, Putting Traore at right back looks like a, a weird decision. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, Muniz is a striker. Um, he... Traore has has played right back fairly often at Wolves, right okay. wing back, effectively in a sort of mm, similar yeah. style to Robinson bombing up the left overlaps for crosses into the box. So it's not out of the question, but that's not where he should have come. he should have come on as far forward as possible. And almost we just play long balls to him and try and get him running in I mean, behind. But yeah, you, it's, it's barely worth comment because he, he got about two minutes. So, you know, I think he had one, maybe two touches and that was it. Um, I think it was like 25 But I, t- I take your point. Actually, but, but yeah, um, it's, it, it's 
and I, I hark back to the time he played Wolves and we looked back at the lineup um, and we saw Stansfield and Taris Francois and, and Babu playing out of position on the left and just a, a shoddy mishmash. And we look at the transfers that came in after that. And I think Silver's basically doing the same thing and sending a signal and a sign to management and saying, I need players. And post-match, he said, we need five or six players immediately. Um, mm. We basically oh, need I, someone in almost I think every get position. Them. I reckon he'll get five or six players. I, I've no doubt, I've said this before, I have no doubt that uh, Tony delivers five players. What we get is <laughs> yeah, completely that's, unknown. That's up in the air. That's up in the air. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, one one positive is you can't complain and say there's there's no money there. We've just sold someone for fifty million. We've got money now to spend because of that. Um, it's not a huge amount. Mitro had three years left on his deal. I'm not a hundred percent sure on the exact workings of it, but it might mean in terms of FFP, we've got an extra twenty mil that we can spend. Um, so it, it's it's hard to say, but you know you do have to spread that across like you said, five or six players. Um, I assume we'll get a few loans in as well. So they usually happen on the final day of the transfer window, maybe three signings before that and a couple of loans and a signing on the last day. Are you um, are you saying that considering the FFP calculations and having sold Mitro for near as damn it to 50 million, we can only spend 20 of that? So I can't, I can't remember how, how much we paid for Mitrovic for straight up. I think it was $25 million. Um, that's been spread over the term of his contract. Um, I think it probably turns out to be like $4 million a year. And then he had um, – he's on probably around about 100000 a week, so that's another $5 million a year. So he probably cost us $9 million a year, eight nine million a year, let's say, and he had three years left on his contract. So you take that amount from the transfer fee we received, which is reportedly forty five million pounds. Um, and we probably got an extra twenty mil that we can spend. But you get to spread well, that money out across someone's contract and their sign and their transfer fee as well. So um my, you sign my, up someone it, to like a five year contract for fifty million, it costs you ten million a year for the transfer fee and then the wage on top of that. Our in house uh, council tells us that there's between 80 and 90 million to spend. It's it's probably true, but you've got to split that across five or six players. Um, and the, the problem is uh, when you've got a striker that you're looking at, someone like Balogun, for example, who have been strongly linked with, they're saying it'll cost us 50 million for him, plus he'll be on 100,000 a week easily. So you have to sign him up to a five-year contract to get that transfer amortized down to 10 million a year plus amortized. yeah plus 5 million in wages a year you know you you it, it gets quite complex and you can't splash cash on on players like that unless you're able to sell players um and we're not we don't have players that we can ship off like you know Chelsea sold off 400 million worth of players Chelsea spent a billion in the last 18 months and they're ahead on FFP because well, well, we need the way they sign people up to contracts. Well, no, they, <laughs> they sign people up to eight-year contracts, and we're just not comfortable doing that. Well, um, maybe that's the game. Uh, and then they've and also sold their the youth players. Someone like Mason Mount 
costs them nothing because he came through their youth system. So when they sell yeah, him, that's all profit. Um, it's a complete profit for them. Um, and they've they've yep. done that with quite a few Connor Gallagher, Mason Mount, um, quite a few guys have come through and made them bundles basically. Anyway, that's it's another conversation around FFP, and we're definitely not the experts here about it. But there's, there is someone money to could, spend. Uh, be great if someone could actually give us some <laughs> some input on that. Someone in the know, Cottage Analytica, well, maybe. Yeah, I, I highly recommend everyone goes and has a look at Cottage Analytica on Twitter. I think they've got a website as well, um, and he he updates fairly regularly. Um, he, he's got a spreadsheet that he runs basically trying to work out roughly what the FFP calculations are for Fulham because it's very hard to know because you don't know the ins and outs of how much someone's actually getting paid in wages and the structure of a lot of these transfer deals. So um, he does a very good job, I have to say. So, yeah, if you do get a chance, jump on Twitter, check out Cottage Analytica. Um, let's let's wrap up the Brentford game, though, guys. It's, it's really disappointing. Um there's not much more to say than that, to be honest. It was a pretty crap way to to play out our Saturday nights, unfortunately, and uh, especially with the Metro news flying all over Twitter as the game kicked off and then to see it all disintegrate. It really did feel like the world was falling apart in front of our eyes a few times on Saturday night. Um, having a quick look at some of the stats from the game, Fulham actually held more possession. I thought we actually held the ball pretty well throughout. Only 10 shots on target compared to 17 from Brentford, only two on target for Fulham compared to eight. That is, I believe, only four shots on target in our first two games this season. That's um, Not great. 474 passes to Brentford's 391. Five corners apiece and the fouls are fairly even. It wasn't a uh, very ill-tempered game, which I think we've seen quite a few times previously in Fulham-Brentford games, but um, the yellow cards in this game seem to be mainly for time-wasting, um, mm. which I think we're going to have to get used to. I've seen that um, there's there were 55 cards in eight games so far this weekend or something crazy like that. They're really um, cracking down on it. That's like part of like their new, Yeah, but, but their talk, me through, talk me through Jensen's and the inconsistency around Jensen's re- repeat performances of going to look for a, sh- a short throw and every time then going back to the hoarding for a long throw, the, the yeah. amount of time he wasted doing that every time was ridiculous. Never pulled oh, up once. Hundred um, percent. And their their left back or right back or whoever it was got pulled up instantly for doing pretty much the same thing. It's bizarre. Right, can we can we can we comment on the refereeing on, in the match? I thought it was uh, chaotic. Uh, not not not. Um, it was just really inconsistent. Like he was really letting things go wildly in the first half are things that I thought would be, you know, pretty full on tackles that I thought would be pulled up. And, and then, um, you know, that, that penalty. Sam, I mean, penalty. The, yeah. Penalty, Sammy, give us, give us your thoughts. Uh, I mean, it's weak. I, I guess it, it's kind of more technical than anything. I mean, it's, I mean, particularly after like watching the Women's World Cup and just the um, resistance to going down, and then you go back to the Premier League, and then you have you're confronted with the stark reality. All players need to do once they get contact in the box is literally just go down. Um, it's bollocks, like. But Tim Ream is 
like he's not intentionally doing it, but he is touching around like his like neck and head. I know, I know it's more of like a positionally trying to like get in front of him. Um, but I mean, all he has to do is go down and then uh, I guess that technically is a pen, but it is bollocks. Like, uh, to be to I be can't... fair to Wisa, mm. I don't think Wisa faked it. I think he upended himself by just well, being yeah. really off balance. I don't think he was trying to go down softly. I no, think yeah, but the problem is the problem is he kind of, all, he kind of all... fell over. He yeah, fell but over the problem is and... but the problem is because Reem made contact, and then whether it it really had anything to do with him going down or not, because there's contact involved by like nature of like the laws of football, um, that is a penalty. And it's 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 one of those just like crappy technicalities that I can't really argue with too much because it, I mean we've talked about this before. Sometimes it goes our way, sometimes it doesn't. So if I'm gonna get annoyed at this, there's gonna be a game in like three games time where it swings in our favor. So I can't get too annoyed or too upset. The annoying part about it was it cost Tim Ream the rest of the game and gave him a red card that's going to affect his confidence because he hasn't had two like strong showings since the Premier League started up again. And um, a red card and um, miss, missing a game following that, it's not going to help him. And I, I, I really appreciate Tim Ream's leadership in the squad. So him not being around does stress me out. I mean, I think that's the only reason why he's been starting over Bassey just to actually have that security and that presence on like the pitch. And I do feel that um, we are lesser without that. But with that being said, uh, I, he's, he's, he's not, he's not looking as top draw as he did last season. Jack. Uh, I, I think you need to rewatch that, Sammy. <laughs> um, yeah, re- there's, really? There's, Barely any contact from Tim Ream. And no, but he we still see touches players... him and he goes down. No, 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 no. We see players make contact shoulder to shoulder very regularly and things not get given. That penalty should never have been given in the first place because Wissa falls over because he misses the ball when he goes to kick it. Um, then it should have been viewed by the referee on VAR because of the minimal contact that was there. Uh, and the contact happened before Wissa actually went down. Tim Reen puts his hand on his shoulder or his side, I can't remember exactly, and then takes his hand off, and then Wissa swings in the air and falls over. It, it the, the issue here is the fact that the referee, in his first ever Premier League game, is given a derby match and then doesn't use VAR in what turns out to be an incredible, in, incredible turning point in the game. If that isn't given as a foul and is overturned by VAR, it's 1-0, Tim Ream doesn't get sent off, and it's still game on because of the referee refusing to go to VAR. And I don't know why they didn't go and ask him to at least have a look at it because it's not clear-cut to me. The referee's in an okay position, but I feel like you have to go and check it when you're going to send someone off. Um, if, If it's such a game changer it needs to be checked um dad your 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 thoughts there because i saw you squinting as well when sam was explaining his side of it there (laughs) well firstly i i'm just not of the school that any contact in the box is a penalty that's just ridiculous no i agree Um, i agree like hold on hold on hold on um 
the contact, in my view, had utterly no bearing on the outcome of him falling over and didn't even seem to... Uh, this is not under nines. It didn't even seem to throw him off his stride, okay? He, as I said before, Weiss swung with his left foot, missed the ball completely, and that's thrown him off balance. That's why I went over. I don't think he was faking it. I don't think he went down. Mm-hmm. It's not a dive. Um, so there's part of me that can sort of understand a player going over so dramatically, the referee's immediate reaction is, oh, maybe that's a penalty, so he blows it up. But in doing that, in stopping the game, he's got to go straight to VAR. And then when VAR are actually brought into the mix, I'm astounded that VAR hasn't overturned it because it's a shocker. And so I'm kind of less annoyed by the inexperience of the referee, but so annoyed that VAR didn't have the guts to go, sorry, we're not going to just close ranks here. That is bad. And that is, that is a huge impact on the game. And just, it's just not a penalty and therefore not a yellow card and therefore not a, a send off. And if you think about it, you know, goal send off for Tim Ream, uh, that's a huge cascade of effects. Um, to your point about Tim Ream, I think the bigger problem for Tim Ream is that he was being preferred over Bassey, I think, incredibly fortuitously for Tim Ream, given mm. his form at the moment. And he hasn't really delivered. He hasn't looked terrible, but he hasn't yeah. really it's looked great. Um, but what that what that second yellow does is put him into into Craven Cot or yeah, into the cottage for a uh, it won't be at the cottage, we're, we're away. But if you know what I mean, he's he's on the bench. No, sorry, mm. he's not on the bench. He's in the stands, <laughs> right? But what he's that not means, there. he's not. He's there. just not there. He's really not there. Yeah. What that means is that he's he, Bassy, whether Silver liked it or not, and preferred it or planned it. Bassy is going to start, and that actually is a difficult one for Tim Ream, because it, that bloody mistake by the referee or by VAR could cost him a run of games here and that's harsh yeah yeah you know, no you know. i agree uh, i, yeah, I we... am no oh, jack sorry. you go you go uh, I, I was just gonna say around var dad you didn't you said you didn't want to well the the it's hard to know where to aim your anger i think i i don't know what the actual ruling is for var here as in when VAR are meant to step in or when they're allowed to step in, it's possible that VAR just look at it and go, could it be given a penalty? Yes, if the ref gives a penalty. I think if the ref hadn't given a penalty there, it gets checked by VAR. The referee maybe goes across to the screen more readily to check it and see if it should be a penalty. Like, I don't know what the actual... I thought VAR um, check it anyway. I, but I think they're they're less likely to overturn a referee's initial decision to try and give the referee some power to make decisions. Yeah, I, but again, yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure on um, what the what they the way they've they've tried to set it up. I can't think of the words exactly, but it, it's well, it's, it's frustrating like, more than anything. Jack, it's a bit like uh, in cricket uh, where with the umpire's call. And, um, you know, the, what's it called? The ball tracking. Um, if, if the ball tracking 
determines that, you know, it, it's it's half a ball width on the stump, it stays with the umpire's call, right? And may, maybe whilst there's no public policy on it, maybe that's kind of something they try to do where they try to back the, the ref and try not to undermine him. It's just him. a bit looser, though, because it, it's, a, it's an opinion at the end of the day. Oh, jeez, it's so subjective. But I, I think they're doing a disservice because I think people there's a lot of there's a lot of conjecture around VAR should we have it should we not, but I think everyone wants officiating to be fair, consistent, mm -hmm. and truthful. And you know, in the in the heat of the moment, sometimes some things happen where the the referee is just not in the best possible position to see the offence. And VAR with its 47 cameras can. And so, uh, you know, wouldn't we all love a world where VAR doesn't undermine the referee, but it works in conjunction with the referee so we get a fair outcome? And I think that's not how VAR is working. It's more of an ass covering to, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen before. What, what would have had to happen? What do you think actually clinched it for VAR to decide, yeah, that's a penalty? What was it? The arm on I the shoulder, the hand the on the shoulder. The fact that Reem had a, a hand on him and he fell down. That's about all that I can think. And then yeah. you're saying we're going to back the referee's decision here that the referee saw contact, and then the video assistant referee looks at him and says, "Yes, I can see contact too," and that the player goes. But they're down. disconnected, aren't they? It's contact, and then yeah, he tries I, to I kick agree. the ball. Because the, if, the if big, there was significant contact, he, he wouldn't have even got a kick in. The big issue here is. The referees who are in charge of VAR, because it's it's not automated, it's men in a box in some county somewhere miles away. The the person who is the video assistant referee is almost always a very average referee so far, from what I've seen. They make very poor decisions, and it happens not just in Fulham games, but across the whole Premier League. The, the fact is we talk about VAR getting it wrong more than we talk about VAR getting it right. And maybe that's because people complain more when we get it wrong. But I, I, there's, it just feels like it's controversial more often than not. And it's because the best referees are on the pitch usually. And you've got backup people as VAR referees. And they're not good enough. Yeah. And they, they it's just almost need like, to improve. Um, given they're making that we wrong out... and they have all the evidence there. Given that we spread our Premier League games over, you know, three three or four days, wouldn't it be great if, you know, the Premier League ref um, who's actually uh, refing it and running around and refing a game on the Sunday can actually provide VAR on the Saturday of that level? You need you need someone who's really commanding and confident, experienced, not some guy who's you know, looking at maybe champion, championship level referees. So you know I, I don't to, even know. You know how to fix well, it. Find an amazing referee, sit him in that room all Saturday, all Sunday, have other people as just spotters who spot flashpoints and have one referee make all the decisions for VAR. You get consistency at that point. Um, the spotters are there a, not to make decisions, but just to go. Powerful one person. But uh, I mean, well, possibly, but you get consistency at that point. Yeah, 
a great idea, and I, I love the idea of our best referees available, our top five referees always being shuffled around and available to be the VAR chief. But it's quite possible with four or five games on on a Saturday that concurrent and simultaneous issues arise. And then, and then the one guy's got to make a decision on maybe two incidents happening at the same time. That would be very stressful and probably problematic. I don't. I, I wouldn't have thought that's too hard. You, you're watching video replays at the same time. If you have to delay, would would you guys have been annoyed if the game got delayed for five minutes? No. To make sure that we got the right not. decision. Of course not. And it wouldn't even be that five. It wouldn't even be five minutes. A really great referee probably needs three angles. One look at three angles, and he's done. Honestly, I've got a lot of rage, frustration, passion, and um, feelings that I really have direct, need to direct at another subject that I cannot give. I can't. I can't give some of it to VAR because I need to. I need to give justice to the the meat and potatoes of this podcast that is coming up, and I've been conserving my energy to do it. So I apologize for sitting back on this but i need i need to i need to give the other thing the full breadth of it so i can't get too passionate about var Sorry, at this I'm, point. I'm pretty you... sure pretty sure you didn't actually watch the penalty too many times anyway sammy so. no i didn't i didn't i didn't but i'm I was very invited on another subject comfort... I, I was going to invite you to take a comfort break while, while the adults in the room talk about important things mate you can do that at the end of the day <laughs> i want to give the listeners i don't want the listeners to wait for a second longer because we 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 have a duty that we need to give them, we 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 owe them this because yeah, cov- covering the Fulham game. Anyway, uh, let's push push through. Let's have a quick look at our predictions and how incredibly wrong we were. Um, I think we changed a lot of these post game or before the game anyway. And I think, Dad, did you go with a win or did we no, stick no, with no, draws? I, I, I stuck with a draw. Either way, we were all incredibly wrong. Um, looking at those predictions for the upcoming Arsenal game, though, Sammy, I reckon you're probably sticking with 4-0. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm definitely sticking with 4-0. <laughs> um, definitely. Dad, 3-1 looks pretty on par at the moment. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I mean, yeah, it's, just, I think... as good as, it's as good as any number. Yeah, I, th- I think I could see a 2-0, 3-0, 4-0 kind of situation going but it all does depend on what happens this week. And if we do get a few new names through the door, we could see um, a, a potentially better result. I'll quickly have a look before we get into it, Sammy. I can see you wriggling in your seat there. Quick look at the Fantasy League. We have a new leader this week, all about that Bassi, um, Safira G. Uh, this is obviously recorded before the Arsenal game, so there's still quite a few people looking to pick up points this round. Um, but Safira moves to the top with 146 in total. Knocking off, um, I can't remember where's he gone. He's fallen right out. No, Mitrovirus, who's currently sitting seventh, and uh, <laughs> Mitro name. really does feel like a virus <laughs> now. <laughs> um, so look, guys, let's crack into it. Alexander Mitrovic has officially left Fulham. Two hundred and six. Forty minutes. Forty minutes it has taken <sighs> us to get here. To get here, this this is the big You're thing. It, Sam. This is the You're big thing. It. 40 minutes, this isn't unacceptable. The, this, unacceptable. This isn't just the big thing. There's a lot going on. We, You can't run a season on your transfers out. You need to win points each week. So we have to talk about the other stuff as well, Sammy. Oh. Calm your farm. Um, 206 oh. appearances for Fulham, 111 goals, 22 assists. Uh, 
championship records, championship trophies, playoff wins. Alexander Mitrovic, he, uh, you know, has to be considered as probably our best striker, uh, at least in the last 30, 40 years even. Uh, sits fifth or maybe sixth of all time on the goal-scoring record charts. But as we've seen over this last week or so, the, the reputation is completely tarnished. You know, we, we talk build the man a statue. It's been said multiple times, and that's just never been further from the truth now after something like this happens. And look, we, we have to take a step back as well and remember that it's not the first time one of our best players has left the club. I, I think back to Clint Dempsey, Moussa Dembele, Louis Saha, um, Jimmy Bullard at a time was a huge signing that we lost and... It's it's not the first time we've lost someone, but it it feels like the dirtiest loss that we've had in a very long time, at least in my memory. I can't think of anyone who has effectively dogged a club more than Mitro has. Um, Sammy, I'll let you just sort of get a bit of energy out. Why don't you <laughs> kick us off and just give us your opening thoughts on everything? Right. Okay. Just your opening thoughts, Sam. Just my opening thoughts. Just my opening thoughts. It's... I now I've I've been pre I've been preaching this for a while and I I don't I actually I actually don't like the fact that I was kind of right about this because it doesn't it, it I don't feel good about this but essentially he didn't love us and I don't think he's ever truly loved us I mean if you compare it to say Kane leaving for um, Bayern Munich really really recently. Yeah, there was there was a lot around that, and he made some mishaps. But when he left, he did it genuinely. He made some uh, some very very like pure hearted addresses, and he clearly cared about Tottenham. I know he's been there for a long time. I know Mitrovic doesn't actually owe us anything. He actually doesn't. At players leave all the time. That's absolutely fine. But the allowances we made for this guy, the 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 what we gave to this guy and like like he he cost us um eight games like last season we have always always um defended him whenever we need to and for him to turn it around and essentially spit in our face and be like ah i found something better i found something better and then i could even forgive that if the way in which he exited um was done with even a little bit more finesse, but he just went, nah, I'm done. I'm done. I and it feels it really speaks more to his character. Like I I I I'll say I objectively don't think he's a very good person because this doesn't it do, like this isn't how there's nothing professional about this. There is nothing there's nothing appropriate about what he's done here. I mean, we can talk about legacy and we can talk about him being in the Mount Rushmore of like Fulham players of all time. I think to an extent that is valid if we're just talking about the player. But, and and yeah, I know over time, I can see what Com's saying. I know over time, in maybe like five years time, he'll be at like the cottage again and he'll do an address and he'll have like a mic and he'll be standing there in a suit. But I, I won't look at him the same way. And I... I ju- I just feel that he took us for a ride, and it I I don't like him. <laughs> fair, uh, well, I don't know if it is completely fair. I think 
there's a lot of emotion there at the moment. As and as Calm says on our live stream, it is raw at the moment. It happened a couple of days ago, and um, saying you you don't like someone who I'm sure someone's going to pull out a snippet from a past podcast of you saying how much you love him after he scored a goal for us. Um, and that's just sports watching. <laughs> to an extent, because you do forgive these players for the good things that they do. But he, I feel like he never did it for Fulham. He did it for himself. He likes scoring goals for essentially just the gratification that he gets in a very egotistical way. And I know that you need that for like strikers. I understand that. But it felt that he never really loved the club and he just loved himself more and he liked money more. And I just think that that's I, I think that's there's not many footballers in the world who are at a club because they love the club. Footballers are there. It's their career. It, you know, pe- people are there to make a living and you move between clubs all the time. And these players do. And often players love the club purely because they've been there a long time. He, he got relegated with Fulham multiple times. And yes, admittedly we bumped his wages up when he did get relegated, but he could have gone elsewhere multiple times and he stayed with Fulham. Uh, I feel like you can't yeah, but just I think say he, I think he actually stayed with Fulham because he didn't have a better option. Well, that's not like, Nobody wanted him. No, we what, we what got offers for him. We got offers for him in that time, and he turned them down to stay with Fulham in the championship what? as well. Which offers? It, Which offers are you referring Tot- to? Tottenham were chasing him incredibly hard multiple times when we got relegated. Twice they chased him to, to try and sign him. Um he got tried to, uh, I think in Italy, he tried to get signed a couple of times as well. Like, I, I think saying that he never loved Fulham is a sweeping statement that you just can't can't say for for certain. It's your, it's your opinion that you think he never loved Fulham. But I, I think he gave a lot to the club. I think he got a lot back from the fans. And it would be impossible not to love the football that you're playing in the club that you're playing at when you get that kind of reception at every game. I don't can, know, I, can I just yeah. say, yeah, look, can I just say that I think, you know, the slides you've got up here and for those not following, you know, we're looking at his appearances, his goals, his assists, the years he spent at the club and, and what those goals actually have meant materially because, you know, his last <clears throat> season in the championship well, we probably could have done it without his goals, but that was a barnstorming effort and it mm. utterly um, made certain that we were promoted. So he, his, his goal-scoring capabilities absolutely delivered, you know, huge benefits and indeed to the owners, big money uh, for, for promotion. So I, I've got... No problem with all of that. I think it was commensurate. He he gave a lot. He got a lot. Fans have enjoyed some high drama, and I don't mean the not-so-positive stuff. I'm talking about Metro's ability to um, win games with mercurial goals at, at late moments in, in, in games. And all that stuff's been great. I've got no problem with all of that. From, from Metro's, I've said this before, but for, from Metro's, um, right to um, absolutely optimise his earning power for his sporting career as a professional sportsman, no problem at all. Yeah, I, got no I, I actually, I, I actually think Fulham Football Club and the Khans have done really well. They've actually um, 
they've actually, frankly, got pretty decent money, I think. I think more than fair money for Mitrovic oh, yeah. in terms yeah. of, you know, the, the length of his contract. Is there some injury, long-term injury concerns? Um, and quite, I, I, I think that incident in at Old Trafford last year, if if there was any doubts about his the manageability of Mitro and, and his effect on a squad uh, on balance, I, I I don't doubt that you know he's been a difficult guy to manage. No, mm. there's no question about that. Um, and and oftentimes the very best can be incredibly difficult to manage, and that's just the price you pay of having. Um, you know, some rare quality or rare ability at least. And and all of that said, he's got, he's, it's fine. You know, I, I don't care to judge him on whether he, he wants to play Champions League football or wants to showcase his skills against the very best or not, or just take the dollars. I don't, I don't mind or care, but the manner in which he forced his way out is really poor. Yeah. He stitched up his manager who stood by him publicly. Um, he stitched up the club. He stitched up the fans. I feel really sorry for the fans because there's such a lot of conflict. There's such a lot of conflict here. We want to love him for all the great things he did. Um, he, he obviously had a way of, he had a great connection with the fans. And I feel that people have been dudded. They just have been dudded. People utterly love Alexander Mitrovic. Mm. And, um, and I think I, I people are going deny, to defend him. I, don't, I think people are I going to defend de- him, and I don't think he deserves it. Sorry, Dad. You I don't. Know. I don't deny his his ability to optimize his his earning power, but being refusing to play or train, refusing to play whilst never confirmed, he had plenty of opportunity to publicly deny what was something that was. It's pretty damning and damaging if it wasn't true. Why wouldn't you come out and, and actually say that that had never been mm-hmm. said? So it kind of sounds like he did say that. And I think um, he, he won't be – that won't be forgotten. Um, and I think I'm totally ready to move on. I thank him for presenting us with a crisis. And now it's over to Mr. Khan, son and fa- father and son. It's It's their play now. You've got some money. Give or take, um, you know, FFP, we've actually got to move on and spend up now. We've really got to spend to our maximum capacity, replace him, because we've been carrying this for a while. We, we, yeah. We've been carrying Mitrovic um, in, the, in the way in which um, he forces Fulham Football Club to play. Yeah. Um, and it's worked for us and it's been fine. But I, I detect that Silver has better ideas than that. I think he wants to be more dynamic than that. Here's the opportunity to go and do it. And sadly, we've we've been left with un, under two weeks to get a result, which is going to be difficult for the best commercial guys in the world. Mm. You know, for our style and our the way we roll, I'm scared that we uh, have the ability to pull this off. I'm not even um, fully convinced that we're going to be able to get the strike that we need. I reckon that's that's more, I reckon that's more stay in the Premier League for maybe like one more season if we can do it by like the skim of our teeth. 
and then then we might get what we actually need. But now we're just going to literally go for whatever we can actually get on the short notice that we've we've been given here i think long term i think i do i do agree with you dad i think long term this is actually going to put us in a better direction and uh i i i'm excited for like the forward thinking that this can potentially do i mean it can potentially create uh an entirely new team and silver's image and i do want that but oh my god he's he's really buggered us here he's really buggered us no no i i actually think look um as I said to you guys, you know, offline earlier today, if if the board, together with the manager, made a decision that this guy is utterly integral to our plans going forward and our ability to stay up, and therefore we don't want to sell him, put the put the price tag at eighty million pounds. Mm. Everyone well, might turn clean, around and say, everyone might turn around and say ridiculous, and that's fine. And Mitro would be very unhappy, and then it would be Silver's job to remotivate him. But we wouldn't have sold him, and and on we go. But if you if you actually are interested in bagging the money, as we have done, and we've put a fair a fair price on Mitro's um, transfer, then you know you, you you've got to take what comes with that. And now you're left in a position where you're short a really key man. I, I think um, I, I'm, I'm, it's done. I'm over it. Um, to me, I think we're going to look back in months to come and, and view this as a real moment in this club's history to be determined by how the Khans actually act. Well, you're asking, Jack. Look, I, I think the... Uh, the Metro transfer was going to happen from early to mid July. Um, we, we've seen what it's like with the Saudi leagues and their transfer business. They pick a target and they pay whatever basically to get that target. And they don't really give up. Metro was very early on considered a target and we set a price. And I think we probably knew that they would get to that price eventually anyway. So I, I believe we've been working in the background for a long time now. And sure. Mitro probably did say that, or said to Tony Khan, apparently, you know, early days we saw that Mitro had texted Tony Khan saying, I want to leave. And I, I don't think it's Tony Khan was able to turn him around. It's not inappropriate. Uh, players say they want to leave a club all the time. It's There's nothing wrong with that. And he's talked to the person who's the director of football. That's the director of football's job is to receive and have those conversations. Um, but what I mean is I think Tony Khan would have known that this transfer was going to happen for a long time. So sure. I don't think there's any possibility that we haven't been working towards finding another striker. I agree. For this entire period. And we've been holding out. We say that there's only two weeks left. Yes, there are only two weeks left, but we've only just definitely got the money. So mm. uh, I think the biggest thing was making sure we got a deal that we were happy with before releasing Mitro. And look, it seems like we would have happily held on to him, even if he was pissed off, um, which might not have turned out to be the right decision, but I'm glad we held firm in a way to make sure that we got a deal that will set us up to find other players to bring in. And but you're look, right, maybe Jack. it doesn't happen. Gone. Yeah, you're right. Um, th this has been rumbling publicly for what, 
five, six weeks now. I mean, the yeah, summer series was three, three or four weeks ago. So this is six weeks old. So if, if they, you know, the moment that um, the club was aware that this was a possibility and that was Metro's wish, you know, unless they're fools, they would have been actively looking in the market. And obviously you can't close a deal, but you know what your price is going to be and whether or not you achieve that, you know what you are going to get. Uh, if the deal happens, so they know they know roughly who they can uh, they can target, and perhaps you know uh, open their account with with these different clubs. So it, it's potentially we're we're looking at this as 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 a last ditch two week effort, but really they've had four weeks of this at least. So yeah. if 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 now we know we've got the money, or at least we we have some certainty over the deal. If they can't go and get finance against that, they're not they're not very good at business, um, and so they should be able to bridge it. Whether or not the Saudis have paid a, a pound yet, and if if they're serious about it, they should be able to close some business. Notwithstanding the fact that we all un, we all know that great strikers don't come cheap, there aren't that many of them around, and you know if a deal's not already been done. It's not going to be easy at all. Yeah, look, there's a, there's a few transfer rumors floating around. Um, uh, I'm not sure if there's any that are genuine yet. The Balogun one from Arsenal seems probably like the most realistic at the moment, although it's a big mm. amount of money. It's 50 million for a guy who, you know, is, is not yet proven. He's young at least, so that does help. Um, but it's, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough little period over the next week or so with the transfer window closing in 10 days from now, um, 10 days and 12 hours or eight hours or whatever it is. There's a lot of work to be done. And I, I'm hoping that behind the scenes, there's a lot of work being done currently because uh, I think we we need to bring in a striker to replace Mitro. Definitely. That should be, you know, objective number one at the moment. But there's a lot more to be done across the rest of the pitch as well. And we're starting to see that we need backup fullbacks, a backup defender, another backup in attacking midfield, probably another backup on the wing. There's there's five, six, maybe even seven signings to come still. And I, I do have faith that we will get them done. We, we always seem to get them done. It's just late. And mm. I feel like in November it's possible we're having a very different conversation and we, we're not even thinking about this looking back on it because we signed all the players. It took them a little bit of time to settle, but we've now actually got a very strong squad because of it. I, I actually think uh, in a very indirect way, this the, the, the deal with Mitro, not, not even how it happened, but the fact that he has gone and he's gone so late I think this is a very destabilizing. I agree. Um, a really destabilizing event for Fulham, uh, and you know, as as the guys are commenting on the live stream, the, de the destabilizing element of it is that it adds fuel to the fire uh, that Marco Silva has been bleating about for a long time. I don't know if he's been bleating about fire, but you know what I mean. He's mm. he he's. He's clearly of the impression that we need a bunch of players. Now he's lost his striker as well. Not his fault, not anyone's fault, but 
wow, if if we don't get five or six quality players, including a decent striker, and it turns out that we had opportunities, why haven't why haven't we spent two million extra pounds on Hudson Adoy over the last mm. month? Why why haven't we closed um, Gray? Apparently he's gone to Saudi now as well. You know why haven't we done? Why haven't we closed all these people that we were within a couple of pounds of? Now Mitrovic walks, and suddenly it's a crisis. And you know the question that the guys on the live stream are asking, which I think is a very real one: if if this is a dangerous time for Tony and and Shahid Khan, because if they don't close good business and quickly, I think Silver is at risk. As in, and yeah. I think that I think, and I think that's fair as well because I think the like the, the this this um because uh, this isn't just anybody leaving. This isn't the same as like Polina leaving for like ninety million. If he did, um, this is a real statement of um, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't I don't agree. I, I'm I'm not behind what we're doing anymore. I'm out. And I feel like that's like when somebody like Mitrovic who is like Mr. Fulham essentially stops believing in the idea. And then the Khans don't really organize effectively to create um, something in Silver's image. Like what, what, what confidence does that give Silver that he's actually going to have years in the rest of the club and it be successful? Because at that point you might as well just go to Saudi Arabia for a couple like, 50 million or whatever they're offering him like is i feel i feel that this is i I, i'm really worried about this just because of the statement that it actually is like it's not the it's not the same it's not the same as like a sesson leaving or something like that like this this is dark i mean i mean look it's a bit unrelated and disconnected the manner in which mitro has left is annoying but that's on him it's his it's it's his legacy that he's he's he, you know he's playing around with, but that's, totally. that that I, I really can't everybody. be too. I, I, no, no, look, um, we've got decent money for him. It, we've done okay, yeah. all right. What I'm what I'm worried about is what happens next, and mm. if we if we got ten million pounds for Metro, that would be a disaster, right? But we haven't. We've got good money for him. And um, if the Khans were dead broke and couldn't add to the 50 million, that would also be a worry. Or if FFP somehow bookended us and we couldn't spend another pound, uh, that would be a massive worry. But none of those things are true. It's time to maybe roll the dice, to double down and, 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 and really go for it and actually turn this pretty tricky crisis into an opportunity and not you know the kind of the beginning of a really bad period here like my my question my question to you guys is this could in theory be the start of an an incredible period for us but why at this stage does it not feel like it's going to be <laughs> like why why does this fill me well, with the anxiety that it does because well it, from my perspective my concerns that I've been you know, speaking about ad nauseum over the last weeks are around our commercial ability and our commercial savvy yeah. to do the right deals and do them quickly um, to not only bolster the squad, uh, 
but to fully back the manager, not only in words, but actually in actions. I, because I don't feel moment... like, yeah, I don't feel go. like this feels like the start of, there, there's, there's no indication that this feels like the start of what could be an amazing period for us. We've just lost our key striker. There's definitely opportunities that have opened the door for us, but it doesn't feel like we're about to have this like amazing like season ahead and couple of years off the back of this. I think it's it's opened up some opportunities that we might not have got if we hadn't sold someone for a record sale, which we we have to look at as well and go, you know, I don't think we've ever sold anyone for more than we sold Sessignon for 25 maybe. So we've effectively mm. doubled how much we've ever bought in for a player, which is a great deal. I'm also 100% sure that we will spend the money and bring people in. I don't think Marco Silva is going to walk because we're not going to make any signings before the end of the window. That's not going to happen. And we it's weird that it seems like almost every transfer window, we sit down and talk about it and go, geez, Tony Khan, it just doesn't get anything done. And we always sign 10, 11 players through the transfer window. And most of the time, they've been really good signings as well. I think we're possibly catastrophizing because we've lost our best player and it feels like we're in a state of flux. But for me, we're going into a couple of tough games against Arsenal and Man City. We were never going to win anyway. So to go into those games with a weaker squad is not the end of the world because I'm predicting we get no points from those games, even if we had Mitro and a full strength squad. So I I think we, we need to be careful not to catastrophize what's happened. We've lost our key striker, but we're definitely going to sign another striker before the end of the window. We're going to bring in some more players before the end of the window. The Khans are going to give us money to make those signings. Silver is not going to walk because if he was going to walk, he would have walked ages ago. Um, Jack, I think it's admirable that you're speaking so in such a balanced and confident way, but I think there's no basis for for saying that we're going to get five or six players. Um, there is. It happens every season. We get to this that, point in the transfer window and we haven't signed enough players and we panic, but we always do sign enough players before the end of the window. So there, there's a total basis for it. We, we do the same thing every single year and we're panicking but, but, because we sold Mitchell. But, if, but that but was if, also if we don't season. sign, but I don't think Fulham... Uh, I don't think Silver's asking for five or six players. Silver's asking for five or six high-quality players. Mm. And honestly, as well... He's not just asking for extra players. You know, he's got 25 players. But there's there's restrictions on us that don't allow us to sign those players in the first place anyway. If we had 500 million we were able to spend, then yes, that's a fair request. But we don't have that money, so... It, it's, it would be unrealistic of Silver to say, I want six quality players who are good enough to play for any top six club in the Premier League. It's That's unrealistic. I, I think we always have to be careful about how we do business. But we've we've proved over the last couple of years, at least, that we do do good business. And I feel like we're, we're starting to hone in on making decent signings every window. My only anxiety was that was actually pre-Saudi League because the Saudi League has actually opened up. Like, Mitrovic isn't at the end of his career. This isn't, like, 
him going and essentially going to the MLS and football heaven and making a lot of money. He's 28 years old. And like the same with people like Neves as well. So the Saudis are actually taking people in their prime and giving them a serious, serious offer. So then obviously like your Chelsea's, your Liverpool's, your Arsenal's, they're always going to sign top flight players. But what does that leave for the rest of us? That is the thing that really creates like the issue with Saudi. And then um, as a result, I don't know how Tony Khan and the Khans in general function and their business plan functions in that kind of sphere. I'll say we, it haven't, again. we haven't been in that before. I'll, I'll say it again. The, the, I, I think we're at a real landmark moment here where mm. I think Mitt, uh, Silver's made it very clear as to what his ambitions are. And if the Khans don't match it, I think there's a massive problem in Fulham keeping Marco Silva. Simple. Yeah. I, I think and, there's and always if... going to be an issue there, but that's that's an issue con- constantly. If, you, if you're not doing the right thing by a manager, it's not just in a transfer window. I feel like and you always might... have to be doing the, yeah, doing and, the most and you, know you can. What? And you know what? It, it's, it's, it's that big a problem that if it's that difficult to buy a striker because we haven't got the money, then maybe... You've got to be prepared to spend two hundred thousand pounds a week on a loan player to come in and be an assassin for you and a hitman yeah, for sure. a year. Yeah, you sure. know, or three hundred thousand, whatever it takes. And um, let let's let's see what happens. I think it's going to be very interesting over the next couple of weeks. Really interesting. I mean, this this nervous, year, but... this year in general, this this um this whole transfer window, just with the introduction of like the Saudis, I know I'm, I know it's a broken record, and I've mentioned it a couple of times already, but I think we can't rely on the same business models that um the kinds were functioning under because the game is changing ex- extremely rapidly, and the same rules and the same laws aren't going to apply. And, and again, as I said before, I don't know like, how the Khans are actually going to deal with that, as well as being slightly distracted by things like AEW and their other, their other business ventures. Like, I feel like if you have got a football team at the moment, this is the year to really focus on what you're doing, because otherwise, Sa- like Saudi is just going to keep throwing money at players. And it's not, it's not like ju- it's, it's anyone that they feel that can actually draw attention to their product. And that is a serious, serious problem for the Premier League, and it's a massive, massive problem for teams like us. But yeah, Sammy, the, I, the I guys, the Saudis, no, the guys the Saudis are signing are not people we're going to be targeting. Fulham are not going to be targeting Benzema, Neymar, and Kante. Um, but we could have, you know, we these... could have been signing Neves. No, he's, he'd go to a top six club. There's only a handful of players who are in their prime who've actually transferred across to the Saudi league. Uh, well, I feel, I, like, I feel Mitrovic, like the Saudi league Mitrovic is uh, one of the starts of them. Like Mitrovic is in his prime and he's essentially one of the players that other players might potentially go, oh, Mitrovic is in his prime. I'm in my prime. I can go there as well. I don't need to go to a place like Fulham. I don't need that stepping stone because I can just go to Saudi and make a bunch of money. But I mean, well, the other thing is Saudis have restrictions on how many foreign players and they're getting towards the very edge of that already. So oh, they actually on. can't sign more foreign players. I um, I have every confidence that the Saudis will find a way to bugger that loophole up. They'll change it. My... But what I'm saying is the, the people that the Saudi clubs have signed are not realistically Fulham signings anyway. 
it, the the actual problem is when they come for players who are key players of mid-table clubs. And it's actually just strange that it's only been us who've been targeted this year. We look at someone like Brighton, a club like that where they have McAllister and Caicedo and these top talents, they're not being targeted by the Saudi leagues. And but I, I but also don't see... Be. I believe that I, they I don't think I, they will. I, I don't think they will. You know what? I, I, I think... I don't, I'm not sure whether that's really the argument. I, I, just, I just think that there's two weeks here for the Khans to sharpen up their business operations and avoid a no confidence vote from the, uh, <laughs> the fan base. Because I, I, I know you like defending them, Jack, in, in, in the way that they do business, but I, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Um, it's, well, I know it's we've just done really well. Business. I, I think we've that, done, but we've we've done well. So no, no, you, we've done well. Of course, you can do because it. Marco Silva has done a stellar job with a pretty good squad. He's done any. He's he's overperformed. He's mm. utterly overperformed. He hasn't got the resources for his ambitions, and I think we're at risk of him boiling over in frustration because he he can't keep overperforming and losing sleep. Mm. And being frustrated by not being being served, and um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're 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 all speculating. The the wonderful thing is, we've only got two weeks before we find out. Mm. <laughs> That's very true. I, yeah. I tell you what, though, I I wouldn't be surprised if this Saudi machine fell to pieces in the next couple of years. There's already two players who transferred last month who have left their Saudi clubs because they're unhappy with the decision they made. Uh, well, I, I don't think it's going to last. I don't you know. know what, I feel Jack, like the, yeah, they're yeah, not going to run. They're not going to run out of money. They've got trillions. Yeah. They've got, yeah. they've got Google. They've got Google size numbers, right? Yeah. And they're hell bent on, on diversifying their books. Totally. And, and so it would have to be that they get bored of, mm. you know, building this league yeah. and, Go and do something else, but but it, as long as they believe it's a way to do it, they're going to keep coming and keep yeah. doing stupid things. And it's not like the Chinese oh, I, I league as well. But these guys will, the people will stop going there eventually, and and it'll drop down to your even Cavaleros and your Anthony Knockouts who get signed up by them. Similar to we see in um, oh, where did the UAE league where um, Cabano ended up. I feel like there's there's more money than you can get paid in the Premier League there, but they're not going to be able to attract the same people eventually because it's it's just it's not going to be sustainable for them. Not in terms of they're going to run out of money. It's people won't want to go there. Their, their but, think can't live. but think about I Mitro. But think about Mitro. He he doesn't care about what quality of football he's going to play in in that league. He doesn't care what the opposition is going to be like. He doesn't care how many people are going to be in the stands or how hot it's going to be or that his private jet won't be able to do enough shuttles back to his family every weekend or two. He doesn't yeah. care. He's making, he's going to bank, what is it, 75 million pounds in his three so it's years? A, it's the family that cares, though. That's a problem. Um, he could buy three wives for that. It's Jota <laughs> who has already agreed that he's leaving Il Itihad because he's unhappy with being over in Saudi Arabia. I, I feel like it's it's similar to how what happened in the Chinese league. Um, I can't remember. That it's was not the same, though. Not, it's not, not the same uh, sort of money. It's not the same. And also as well, like the, chi- like 
with um man city was a prototype that has just worked so well for the saudis and the, it's the it's going to be the exact same thing with newcastle it's a tried and tested thing that they have are really like perfecting i don't i don't think that the saudi league is going to collapse in the same way i think it's a bigger market it will be they i think they will do everything and anything to make it work and and unfortunately we've seen it a million times now that's the way that sports washing works if the product is good enough and i do believe that they will invest enough to make the product good enough people will come and people will invest in it and people will check it out if I mean, if the quality is as high as the Premier League and if you're playing that many players to come play and build it up in the same way, it will get the audience. And then that screws clubs like Fulham. That, even that if, Chinese even League, if, just quietly, that Chinese League is... The, it's not the 10 same. Ten years it's, ago, they were paying $40 million a year to players coming over from the Brazilian League. It's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous money and people didn't, didn't do it. They did it at the start. A fair few went across. And then they gave up on it. And I feel like the Saudi league is going to do the same. It's a flash I, in the pan for me. I, I, I could Ooh. not, I could not. You could be quoted on that. It's an hour and 16.01. That's for anyone who wants Qu- to Quote me away. <laughs> the, the Chinese super league tried to do the same thing and attract people with money. A but few it's not people the went same. there at the start and then they left. It is the same. It's the exact same thing. It is the same. It is the it same. Is the it's same, just money. Sam. They're, they're just sports it, it washed. The, they tried to do I, it in China and it failed. But I'm just saying you keep doubling down, you keep offering more and more and more, and players will go. They will yeah. go. Because the, yeah, the, the only difference with the go. Chinese league is they just stopped offering more because they just went, oh, it's not working. But the, the Saudis will not give up. They need to diversify their income. Oh, they will. They will eventually, trust me. I've, I'm not trusting you, not for one second. I'm not no, buying it. In, instead, instead of trying to do it in their own place, they'll buy other clubs. They'll do what they've done with Newcastle and they'll try and buy the biggest clubs and own all the biggest clubs. And then they'll try and start the European Super League again and the Saudi League will disappear completely. It, it'll happen. It's happened before it'll happen again. Quote me on it. Different problem. They're trying to solve a different problem, Jack. Um, you know, China don't have the same problems as Saudi. Yeah. Owning five clubs in Europe, you know, PSG, Newcastle, Man City, it, it's not the same. You don't get the same indirect or direct benefits. If you, you, you've got to, for them to achieve their mission, they have to have the equivalent of a Premier League operating in their country and people all going, oh, isn't that Saudi League great? Must buy a subscription. It's not even the money. It's just them getting the glory for something that is clearly identified as home soil. And uh, look, I don't, I don't know, but uh, I feel like they are so in a corner with the problems they have as a country and their image and their one-dimensional economy based, based around petrochemicals that they are going to run pretty hard and it's going to be a long time before they run out of emotional energy on this. I, I truly think it will take them 20 years before they'll give up. <laughs> I reckon they'll anyway, push it for we, we don't 20 know. years. Uh. I'm yeah, glad it, I gave the energy it, to this side of the conversation. I really am. <laughs> look, it's it's hard to say which way it's going to go. I, I don't think we we know. But at the end of the day, Mitro's gone. Um, fortunately, at this stage, I know the Willian story keeps popping up, but I just don't see anything nah, to that. I don't think Willian's leaving yeah. the club. Um, so, look, I, I think we can safely say that the, the saga is now finished. 
Um, but now we move on to a slightly different saga, which is the fact that our squad is not currently strong enough to compete where we want to be competing in the Premier League. I don't mm-hmm. think we're relegation candidates. There are some very average teams playing in the Premier League this season. I think we're comfortably above at least three other teams in the league. So I don't think we're going to have... I don't think it's going to be a, a cakewalk by any means, but I feel like we've got enough about us with the current squad we've got to comfortably survive. I'm talking maybe 42, 43 points. Um but there's a long way to go, and there's one very important transfer window that we need to get out of the way first, and we, we need to move and, and have some deals done very soon. Otherwise, people are going to continue to be nervous. But I, I honestly, I do have faith that we'll get it done by the end of the window, and we'll see at least five or six good players come in and join Fulham before then. Uh, is there anything you guys want to say just to close out our Metro chat before we go and have a look at some tweets? The future is bye scary. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. See you, mate. It's been a, a tough couple of days trying to teach my three-year-old son that Metro no longer plays for Fulham and we're not allowed to sing Your Defence is Terrified anymore. Slowly wrapping our head around that one, but we'll get there eventually. <sighs> Let's switch it up. Uh, I say switch it up. A lot of this is still focused on Metro, but we'll have a look at some of the top tweets from the last a uh, couple of days. Uh, this one from at Scott underscore Tanfield on Twitter. Uh, 15 days to sign five players. Ain't happening with Boy Wonder running the gig. First time in a long time we've had a decent platform to build on and Marco Silva is still left wanting. We can't blame the Mitro stuff on this. Other clubs have to cope too. Hashtag FFC. And that's um, sure. post-game Silva saying... Uh, an article from the standard silver lays out huge task in final days of transfer market after Mitrovic sale. And it's what we've talked about. The fact that Mitro, not Mitro, sorry. Well, the Mitro sale effectively means that we need to sign five to six players before the window closed. And it is a huge task. The the market's not easy at the moment. Um, And I don't put that down to the Saudis. I put that down to everyone in the market struggling to find players and, you know, look at um, Chelsea, Liverpool, putting out 100 million on on players who I don't think are worth 100 million and then seeing other clubs like West Ham all summer telling us that Polina is only worth 30 and Caicedo sells for 110 it's just ridiculous mm. um the market is is yeah all over the place this summer and it's it's tough to but it's find always players been, at a decent it's, price it's it's always been like that jack every 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 window is like that you know um and, and what I would say is, of, of course, these other clubs have um, top. The top six clubs have a lot of money, but but look further afield than the top six clubs. There are other clubs that are doing business, and we keep on talking about how hard it is to do business. And the Khans have got more money than most. Don't buy it. Mm. I don't buy it. Well, it's it's not. It's just not that simple. Unfortunately, the Khans having more money than most doesn't mean you can spend more money than other than the other clubs. There are factors there. We don't have the revenue of some of the other clubs. You know, Everton, for example, their stadium is twice the size of ours, so they bring in double they that we do on match day revenue. Um, because they're considered a bigger club, they get more games on TV, so they get more TV revenue for it. There's there's so many factors there that mean those clubs pull in way more money than we do, um, and so it's it's just not as simple as the Cards have heaps of money; they should be spending it. 
Um, uh, and I, I know it sounds like I'm defending the cards constantly, but it's it's just more complex than why can't we just spend money? It's it's not that simple. It's frustrating. I'm, I'm not, I know. I'm not saying. I think. I think you're. I think you're actually papering over, um, the poor job that we do, at buying and selling players. Period. You know. What's Roman Abramovich think, doing? What like, what, like is, is is he allowed to spend some money again? I could use some Roman Abramovich <laughs> in my life. That that'd be fine. You know, I I the kind of, I don't follow it closely enough, and I don't understand the inner workings of all of these clubs. But I, you know, from a simple punter's point of view, I look around, I ignore the top five or six clubs. Everton may be a complete outlier in all of this, but there's lots of other clubs who appear to do business, must be hamstrung by similar FFP-type constraints, and yet they have the ability to commercially buy decent players why can't we well i i think there's there's i mean there's clubs like brentford and brighton who have done an amazing job at selling players and then as a result they're able to just create a lot of revenue just by selling players to top six clubs basically like yeah sure in 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 basically creating like all profit essentially because they're usually buying players for like three or four million and they're flipping them for like 30 or 50 Villa, Brentford, um, I don't know, couple that come I mean, to mind. Yeah, Brentford, well, Southampton Brentford used to be spent, like that. Brentford have spent roughly the same amount that we have this transfer window. Um, mm. So it's not you have to actually look at it at how much we've spent as well. It's not as simple as just the number of players. Um, Villa have have signed a fair few players, but they also cleaned out their squad. They they released. 16 players and then have loaned out another eight players and they've they've signed a fair few players they've made some money but they're also playing in Europe this year as well so they've got the extra money from that like you can't it's it's not apples for apples in any of these comparisons here unfortunately because yeah, no. yeah. it's it's just it's tough but uh, look I'm completely frustrated I want us to have signed our full first team by, I wanted to have six transfers sorted by the time we went to America because that's mm. when you need to have all your transfer business done. And we're slow in the tr- in the transfer market. I 100%, 100% agree with Silver here. It's a massive task because we've got 10 days to make five signings. That's a signing every other day that we've got to finalise. And realistically, I reckon one in every five attempts to sign a player is actually successful. So you're going to have to try and sign 25 different players to get those five players through the door. It's it's crazy what we're doing, and unfortunately, you do um, you do lose some quality by doing your business so late because you miss out on better opportunities earlier in the window. Didn't have to be like that. We got to pay a couple of million there, a <laughs> couple of million there, and that's yeah. how you differentiate, and that's how you actually beat the mob. Yeah. Anyway, next one. We'll. Uh, at Joel underscore H5 on Twitter. I also think the club handled the Mitrovic situation well. He tried to force a move and we held firm and got a big payment vitally up front. Imagine if he'd gone for 18 to 20 million, Sammy. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of been a bit of a PR disaster. I think they've done like... I feel like they've actually wasted so much energy trying to contain the PR disaster. And I feel like that's actually taken up 
a lot of unnecessary time that we could have actually been focusing on other things. Because if Mitrovic wanted to leave and it was a relatively cohesive, easy, respectful exchange, then we probably wouldn't be in the state of panic and stress that we are right now. Um, so I are think you saying yeah, you would have been like, happy. Are you saying you would have been happy for Mitro to go for 20 million four weeks ago? No, I still would have been. I mean, I would have probably been happy for him to go for about 40 million and then um, uh, us not have to deal with all the repercussions that we've had to experience. But that wasn't just, on the table. That was Sam. never, that no, was never, I know, I know that was never on the table. I know that was never on the table. I'm speaking, so why you in, can't. No, but you can't. You, you're blaming the club. You're saying the club didn't handle it properly. I actually think no, the, I'm the saying club's Mitrovic, hands have been tied. Yeah, I'm, no, and I Mi- agree. Mitrovic, Mitrovic is the problem in all of this. Yeah, the, Saudis have, the Saudis have played Tony Khan at his own game and dragged it out and actually tried to do the deal at the back end of the window. Mitrovic has made it very difficult for Fulham, Fulham Football Club and put them in a corner. And Fulham really have very few cards other than the ability to set the price. My only argument was that they could have set it at 80 million, 200 million, right? If you really don't want to sell him, price the transaction out of the market and they will go away. Mitro will be very, very sad, but yeah. I was just saying that there was no way that this was ever going to be really handled well by the way that Mitrovic was behaving. That was no, I disagree. It's, I think the club handled it pretty well. It's about the it's about the club here, not Mitro. It, the yeah. the statement is Mitro. the club handled the situation well, and I agree. I think yeah, uh, I you, we have. I don't think we've summarized it really. Where you say we sold a player who missed quite a big portion of last season with an injury, has flared up with another injury on his ankle at the start of this season, is. About to turn well, he's he's a year off thirty still, and we've picked up forty five million for him. Uh, it's a pretty good deal in my book, really. It's just a shame that it's been dragged out for so long, and that I think it's going to be a struggle to find a replacement. Um, next one here, MJG at nineteen sixty six MJG on Twitter. Won't lie, absolutely fucking gutted about Mitro. Was going to leave at some time and off to a big club, maybe with our blessing. But this just money. Won't forget the goals, the fire, the memories of it all. But out with a whimper instead of a fanfare. Mm. It's so. It, it, look, I mean, like I've whinged a lot, but it's just sad how it's all ended because he should he should have gone out with like all the respect in the world and all the appreciation, and he's got people like me complaining and like pissing and whinging because he's he's pissed me off, and like it's. I, I, it's all just come down to the character of the person for me, but I, I, I want, I wanted to see him out. I wanted to give him roses, and I, I wanted to be like um, MJG here, and I wanted to, I wanted to love seeing him off and be happy and proud of him, and I'm just not. Dad, anything to add to that? <laughs> no, I've said my bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do agree with him there. I think. It's a real shame that this we didn't see him go to Tottenham or Man United for a decent fee. I'd have probably taken thirty million if he went to Man United, um, because it would feel like a an understandable move at that point, where you're going to a club who's going to be challenging for European trophies. But it, it is out uh, with a okay. You fired me up. Fair. You fired me up. I disagree <laughs> with that. 
I, I want a decent fee for him, and we've got a fair fee. And they've obviously decided that they didn't actually want to keep him at all costs. Otherwise, they would have set a big number on it. But I think, I think the team at Fulham were ready to move on from Metro at a fair price, and their fair price was forty-five million pounds. And fair enough. And I, I, I would rather he not go to Tottenham or someone else down the road who's and, and bang goals in against us for less than market. I'd be bloody annoyed at that, uh, regardless of whether that met his ambition to play Champions League. That'd be dumb business. Um, so I, I just care about the manner that he left. I mean, I, I genuinely think Mitro's transfer value is about 30 million. I think that's actually 25 yeah. to 30 million, I feel, is a fair amount for him, which is why I said that amount for Man United. It's, it's yeah, the, the whole going to Saudi just it leaves a sour taste for sure. Um, one here from Anthony B at Fulham Flutter on Twitter. I'm having a moment to reflect on where FFC go from here and based on about a thousand tweets I've seen, plus some of my own, the expectation levels have gone way up since last season. Reality is we will need to be creative in the market. We won't attract a ready-made goal scorer. And I 100% agree with that. I think we're really going to struggle to find someone for under 70 or 80 million who's going to come into the team and score goals right from the off. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, we, we've been talking about transfers uh, every week, seemingly, since we've, like, come back on to season two of the That's So Craven podcast. Um, but now, more so than ever, I am totally in the dark as to what our squad is and what our squad will be. I have no idea what we're going to look like in three months' time. Yeah, because I imagine we probably will do quite a few signings in the next week or so. And... Until until then, I just don't know what I just don't know what our future is. You're gonna to have to learn some new squad numbers, I think, Sammy. And that I am excited for that. I'm excited for that. <laughs> uh, let's have a look at the next. You know, one. If, this if, is... it, if it's so murderously difficult um, to attract a proven striker to Fulham, because we think it it takes sixty, seventy, eighty, hundred million pounds in the Premier League, right? Because they have options and even the big clubs are scrambling for them. Then why the hell wouldn't you roll the dice on a couple of absolutely rough diamonds and pay over the odds for them? Because you're trying to beat the market here. You can't just do the same as everyone else. We're not big enough. We don't have the money. We're late. We've got to try that, something that's else. That's what we've been talking about with Balogun, for example, who is a 21-year-old rough diamond. But um, he's 50 he's million been, pounds. I, I know. But again, like you said, paying over the odds. We've apparently made an offer of 35 and we're sticking pretty firm to 35 and trying to work out some sort of Leno-esque structured deal for for that signing. But we are. it looks like we've also looked at a 21-year-old striker from... PSG for a similar sort of 30 million mark. It, it seems like we're going to be splashing a fair bit of cash on a striker who is not proven. And it, it's possible that it goes incredibly well. It's possible it goes incredibly badly. We just have to wait and see. But if you think about it, I, I don't hate that as an idea. You know, would you trust Vinny um, to score enough goals together with his mates on the wing 
to keep us into, I don't know, 15th position? Probably, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, right? yeah maybe. And, I mean, he'd have to come in and save the day after Youngster is given a go. But you, you, you want someone, yeah. I mean, may, maybe 50 million on a PSG 21-year-old is, is not really a real uh, smoky in any way, shape. Or, 50 million is 50 million. I mean, why not spend, um, you know, 10 million on someone who's no one's even seen before uh, and get a couple of them? And I, yeah. I, I'm just talking... Just talking through my hat here, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, unfortunately, we're in a position where other clubs know that we've just received a big fee, and yeah, I know. the fee goes up. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, we we've looked for Smokies. We looked at Moonies from Brazil, plucking him out of the Brazilian leagues, and we saw how that went. And then you look mm. at someone like Andre, who we've had our eye on from the Brazilian leagues. Who, let's be honest, uh, none of us knew who he was until it was spoken about as a as a possible rumor. I didn't but know. they want I... they want forty million for him, um, cool. and he's an unknown entity completely. So there, there's just not those bargains out there unless you get really lucky picking players out of Norwegian leagues. And uh, uh, but again, it's it's luck at that point, and I don't think that suits our business model at the moment. It may be down the track. It's something we can look at when we're a bit more established. But you can't spend loads of money on young players if you're not sure if they're going to actually come through for you. Um, maybe, but maybe I think they this, need is, this double. is the first time that we're going to be in the position to do that. Mm. Mm. Maybe they need to double double the inc- the the salary of the um, or whatever the the name of the position is as double head of the size of the scouting team. Yeah. Well, mm. go and scout the Brentford guy who seems to be pretty damn good at it. <laughs> yep. Oh, the Brighton guy, I mean. Um, yeah. Another tweet no, here. I mean, no, um, I meant I meant Brentford. I meant Brentford. Brentford is good as well. Yeah. Brentford not They're, bad too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one here from Jake at JT1196 on Twitter. Only one Mitro at Fulham for me. It's a picture <laughs> of the well-known <laughs> Fulham striker Costas Mitroglu. Um, Excellent. Mitroglu, who was as Beautiful. bad as any other striker we've seen. But, yeah, he's the Mitro who we're going to be building a statue of now at Craven Cottage, I think. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent um, stuff. Next one here. This is hey. a tweet from Fulham Fan News. Um, a, a possible rumour that's popped up. Uh, a report claiming that Fulham prefers to sell Tosin to Spurs in an attempt to sign Eric Dyer in return. Um, now, I'm a bit of a fan of that move. Yeah, um, Eric Dyer is not just a centre-back. He can also play defensive midfield as well. So it actually fills a hole in a couple of positions. Maybe he's not an instant starter, but for someone who could play a bit more of a Polina role in that enforcer role in defensive midfield and someone who can back up as a defender, I quite like the look of that. And um, the other signing that's been touted as well, which isn't mentioned here, but is the one of Eric Bailly from Man United, um, who I think that would be on a free as well, which would be a pretty good pickup. So um, a couple of transfers talking away from Metro Talk for once. Um <laughs> Well, the and counter to a... that one, Jack, before you move on, is that yeah. uh, apparently Tosin adamantly will not go or refuses to actually agree to be transferred to Spurs. He doesn't want to go. Is that right? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. He's, um, he's blocking it. Well, he probably knows that he wouldn't be in the first team at Spurs, whereas he Monaco wanted to, to get him in the first team. 
Um, yeah. But it's it, Monaco offered, I think, ten million, and we weren't happy with that. So um, yeah. we'll have to wait and see how that one pans out. Um, final tweet for today is uh, from at FFC underscore IBZ. Ibs on Twitter, unpopular opinion, but I predict three names in next week and Fulham to get it right with a Mitro replacement. The Mitro mm-hmm. replacement and centre midfield need to be the big bucks. Other positions, we'd use up loans and agree reasonable fees below £13 million. Pounds. Thoughts wanna... on that, guys? Look, I mean, I want to believe it, but I don't yet. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't want to say not it. An un- it's not an unpopular opinion. It's uh, it's a very popular it's a very, opinion. It's just not. A, it's, it, I'm just struggling to believe it. Yeah, maybe it's a an unreasonable opinion <laughs> rather than an unpopular one. Um, Fantasy yeah, look, I, it's it's one that I think we'd like. We want to see the transfers coming in. So, fingers crossed that by the time we catch up in a few days to preview the Arsenal game, we've got a bit of good news, and we may be looking at putting an eleven out on the pitch with a few new names. So. Look, um, we can only hope and cross our fingers, hey? So, guys, it's been a very long one, but necessary because there's been so much to talk about. Um, a, a really disappointing loss to Brentford and then um, a disappointing piece of news coming through with Mitro leaving the club on, on such bad terms. It's a, a real shame how everything's panned out over the last few days, but as the title of this podcast, Be Gone, Move On, it is time for us to move on. We talked all all transfer window about how we just wanted this saga to be over. It's finally over. We can move on now and try and be positive and look towards some new names signing for Fulham and, and maybe a bit of a fresh start for us over the next couple of weeks. Um, so, look, guys, I, I think we should wrap it up there. Sammy, thanks for your time tonight. I know you've been holding this one in for a while. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I feel like I've had, like, a, a, a cyst removed uh after doing this in the in the best in the best possible way i i know i mean like look it's a long one it's an epic pod but i feel that i mean the view the listeners will tell us but i feel that we've we've left everything out there <laughs> it's it, you know all of our opinions now on this um and no nah, it's it, it, no, it was it, it felt it, this was cathartic i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go with that you mentioned getting a sister removed. It feels like I've been sat here and actually popping the pimple for you as well and copped a bit of spray off the back of it. Um, it's teamwork. It's teamwork. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's been necessary, like you said, cathartic experience. Um, Dad, thank you as well for joining in and uh, getting it all off your chest. Yeah, I, I really want to be excited. I really desperately want to be excited about what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Uh, um, and I hope, I hope, you know, I'm I'm not disappointed because I, we've got such a big problem if we fall at the at the hurdle over the next couple of weeks. Such a big problem. But I hope, but I hope it, it it's better than that. Come on, Tony, prove yeah. me wrong. Uh, I'm very hopeful, and um, won't get too positive quite yet, but very hopeful nonetheless. So, guys, hopefully next time we talk, we're going to have some wonderful news to talk through and we're all going to be energised and feeling great and um, your sister's all healed up by then, hopefully, Sammy. So, guys. Open invitation before you go, Jack. Open invitation, Tony. Please come and talk to us. Yeah, Ah! not a huge fan of that, but we'll see. Uh, um, 
but again, everyone, thank you for um, interacting with us on the live stream. We had a load of comments today, which is great. Um, thank you to everyone who is a regular listener as well. Please do spread the word about the podcast. Um, we're coming up for our one-year anniversary in about a month or so, um, oh, yeah, which is yeah, kind of crazy. This is podcast number yeah. 70 for us so far. So um, it's been a really good journey so far, and we want to keep growing it wow. this year. So please do share on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and uh, make sure all your Fulham friends are following That's So Craven as well. We really appreciate all the support. So as ever, and until next time, come on, you whites. Come on, you whites.